0: Welcome to the Dear Mark Project Podcast, brought to you by Bray Co. As marketing and advertising professionals, honesty and transparency need to be at the forefront for everything we do. However, with new emerging technology, creating materials that are both engaging and 100% transparent can be super tricky. The Dear Mark Project Podcast produces weekly episodes on honesty and transparency as it relates to the advertising and marketing spaces. Our goal is to get Mark Zuckerberg and his social media empire to create an automatic hashtag filtered image tag that shows up on any post that uses a filter. It's a small action that we believe can create a world of a difference. Stay tuned on how you can support. Enjoy the show. Gregory, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thrilled to have you here. Um, and please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what you do.
1: So I'm a psychiatrist based in Texas. I'm an integrative psychiatrist, which means that not only am I prescribing medications and doing therapy uh, with patients, but I'm also talking to them about nutrition, uh, breath work, mindfulness, and really how they can you know, change the way they live in a way that supports optimal mental health.
0: That's awesome. and I love that holistic approach that you have about really touching on what it is to be a healthy human. I think that's so important because if you just look at one side, um, you're missing out on a whole lot of the things. So I think that's just so important what you're doing. And so excited to get into these topics with you today. So we're, of course, going to be discussing your book, um, The Self-Healing Mind. We're also going to be talking a little bit more about men in advertisements and just in general, what we as a society and in the media can be doing better to support men and mental health. So um, let's just talk about your book for your book first. So first off, can you talk about like what it's about?
1: Right, so The Self-Healing Mind is my first book that was uh, published last year for Harper Wave. I encourage everyone listening to this, uh, regardless of whether or not you um, have been diagnosed with a mental illness like depression or anxiety, check out uh, the book because, again, like we were mentioning earlier, my work, including the book, is all focused on how we can live better regardless of uh, where we're coming from. So uh, the first half of the book really addresses... Uh, what mental illness is, differentiates it from mental health, which is something that we should all be pursuing, uh, this idea of living with purpose, balance, contentment, and hope. Uh, and then the second half of the book uh, goes into the five essential pillars of self-care, uh, which are sleep, spirituality, nutrition, breath work, and movement, and how each of us can um, formulate a plan uh, to take advantage of these five pillars of self-care so that we can um, you know, live our best life.
0: Oh, wow. I love that. And can you talk about a little bit about what the driving force was behind creating this book?
1: Right. So in the summer of 2020, uh, like uh, many other people, you know, we were affected by COVID, uh, civil unrest, you know, it was the height of the, um, you know, Black Lives Matter protests. Again, it was really difficult to, um, you know, not get consumed by all of the stressors that were going on. Uh, in the news every time we turned on our tv uh, or looked at our tablets or smartphones uh, and like everyone else i was reassessing the state of my own mental health and i found found that i was working from home Uh, i knew that i always wanted uh, to write and communicate um, with more people than i was able to see uh, in my clinical practice and that seemed like a really good time to do it especially as i was thinking about how to deal with my own stress and anxiety so uh, the book was really born during that uh, time period, and you know, I think it's—I it, think it's an evergreen book. I really do. I mean, I think it uh, is a book that uh, can resonate, uh, you know, even three years later, and you know, ten years down the road, and, and many years and decades to come.
0: Yes. Yeah. And that's such an important time. And I'm so happy that you produced something um, that spoke to that. And you're right, it's going to be able to be used in terms of value for years to come as well. And what do you hope to that this book accomplishes just in society and individual lives?
1: Well, you know, if you look at something like anxiety, Maria, 40 million plus Americans in a given year would actually meet that clinical threshold for having an anxiety disorder, um, major depressive disorder isn't that far behind. I mean, we're talking about millions and millions of of people. Um, There are over 140 suicides on average every day in the United States alone. And so the thing about mental health and mental illness is something that many of us are spending a lot of time thinking about. We're just not talking about it. Enough, And I realize there's only so much I can do as a psychiatrist, only so many patients I can see uh, in a given day. So with this book, again, I'm hoping to reach as many people as possible, regardless of whether or not you've been diagnosed with a mental illness, because if anything, it can really get that conversation going uh, and encourage people to talk more uh, about mental health.
0: Yes, absolutely. And you hit right on the point that a lot of people do struggle with mental illness, and they just don't talk about it, or maybe even acknowledge that that they actually do have something going on that's really struggling with them. Um, And so I definitely encourage people just to seek out help. and especially like read books, especially when it talks about mental health, because it is so critically important to really take care of your mental health. So that is absolutely fantastic. And can you please discuss maybe like one of your favorite tips or strategies that you discussed in the book?
1: Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that's a no brainer. I mean, it's something as simple as breath work. So each of us takes between 20 and 30,000 breaths every single day, uh, Maria, and it's actually one of the most underutilized tools that I think we have um, at our disposal, right? I mean, when we take a deep breath, we are flooding the brain with GABA, which is an inhibitory neurotransmitter that just tells everything to to slow down, right? Um, if we were to hook our brain up to an EEG device and we were to manipulate the way we breathe, taking deep breaths, you'd see the presence of more alpha waves, Right? And so these are both physiological markers of rest and relaxation. Now, the thing is, if someone's having a panic attack, and many of us have had this experience, uh, I know I certainly have, and there's some annoying person there who's just like, relax, take some deep breaths, calm down. I mean, it'll just amp up our anxiety even more, right? So I think it's really... Uh, Useful in periods or during periods where we're not having panic attacks or we're not necessarily feeling anxious per se to practice Manipulating our breath, you know practice different forms of breath work now the book outlines different ways that we can do that whether it's four seven eight breathing uh, Ujjayi pranayama, which is a a yogic breath that actually has some pretty good uh, evidence for helping to uh, lower heart rate lower blood pressure Um, reduce anxiety levels, box breathing, coherent breathing. So there are different techniques in the book that uh, I encourage uh, uh, people listening to this and, and readers of the book to explore.
0: Yeah, we're definitely gonna have a link to his book in the description below. Definitely recommend checking it out. Um, and we're gonna be talking about specifically men and advertisements and the portrayal of men, um, especially with mental health when it comes to men. So specifically in advertising, what do you wish that you saw less of? I think this,
1: so this idea of, and I should just full disclosure, I'm a medical advisor for uh, Men's Health Magazine. A big portion of my work uh, is focused on men. I'm a a contributing columnist uh, for the magazine as well, Um, and I co-host an Instagram live series for Men's Health called Friday Sessions uh, with my buddy, Dr. Drew Ramsey, and we've interviewed men and women from all walks of life um, about topics related to male mental health. Now, I'll I'll tell you this. I mean, the idea of toxic masculinity is still rampant, I think, in our society. This idea that, um, you know, men should sort of suck it up. They shouldn't show emotions. I mean, we see that in advertising. We see that in the media. Um, You know, we see that in in professional sports even. I mean, it's like sometimes, um, you know, a, a sports team... Uh, you know, hit like a buzzer beat or a game winning shot, and then you'll see the guy who just hit the shot. He's like stoic while everyone around him is, is cheering and trying to, you know, get him excited, right? Um, but I think that the tide is turning, you know, I, and, and I have to be honest about that. Uh, more men are opening up, uh, more men are sharing their stories. I just saw on the news yesterday, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson shared. Um, about his experiences with depression. Um, you have other people like Kevin Love who plays for the Miami Heat uh, who penned an article in the Players' Tribune about having a panic attack some years ago during a basketball game. Um, and then the incredible work that Men's Health Magazine is doing. Um, so you know, I, I'm encouraged by the direction things are going, but uh, I still think we have a, a long way to go.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, specifically for advertisers, um, if someone is producing an advertisement, like let's say, especially with um, medications, I'm sure you're very familiar with that with your medical backgrounds, it seems to be that there's a lot more women um, that are taking like mental um, supplements in terms of helping with anxiety and depression. And maybe there's just, there's not a whole lot of men being represented, even though that there is a lot of men struggling with mental health. Um, so when it comes to portraying men in advertisements, what do you think that advertisers can be a little bit more mindful of? So
1: I think they should be mindful of this statistic. So women are twice as likely to be diagnosed with depression and men are three to four times as likely to die by suicide, right? Um, and the reason why—I mean, obviously that's that's an important statistic, but you know that doesn't necessarily mean that that women are at a higher risk for experiencing depression. Just men aren't talking about it; they're not coming to see psychiatrists like me, even though I specialize in men's health. You know, most of my patients are still. Women. So, I think advertisers need to do a better job of you know, showing that you know, men do need um, these medications in some cases. They do need to reach out to mental health professionals, but extending beyond the world of advertising, I think more conversations like the one you and I are having right now need to take place uh, as well. Um, you know, with uh, us being open and, and, and talking about this so that if there are any guys listening to this, they can know that, you know, men do seek treatment too. men do need treatment. And when they do get treatment, um, similar to women, they can get better. There's a lot of hope there.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you hit on that I do think that um, there is a lot more support, but we are definitely not where we need to be um, in terms of supporting men and making sure that men feel comfortable going into therapy, which I think is a perfect transition um, that I'd love for you to share your perspective as how can we as a society do a better job at supporting men in terms of going to therapy? How can we actually get them in the door to feel comfortable going to therapy? Like what types of conversations do we need to be having? first
1: i think and you know i'll i'll be a bit vulnerable here so and i've i've written about this when i was in my early 20s i struggled with depression um i've had periods of anxiety throughout my life like many people listening to this uh it's, it's totally normal um but my very first one of my first experiences going to a therapist many years ago um was terrible i actually walked out of the session i mean i didn't know what to Uh, expect. It was weird. I felt like the therapist was just going through a checklist. Um, I didn't feel any connection there. And so one of the things that I wish I would have known back then is that therapy is, is hard. I mean, it's not like you go in the first time and you spend an hour with your therapist and then you walk out and you're cured and you're a totally different person. It's a process. Um, and interestingly, being on the other side of the couch now, giving therapy, uh, to patients, it's something that I'm mindful about. And so I think that, you know, if you're a guy listening to this and you're thinking about, uh, establishing care with a therapist, or maybe you're woman listening to this and there's a guy in your life who you want to encourage to do it. Uh, I think just perhaps, you know, being mindful of the fact that it's not, An easy process. Uh, It takes some time to really gel with your therapist. Uh, It takes a few sessions in before you are going to feel comfortable opening up. Um, But after a while, it gets better. Uh, And a lot of my patients end up telling me it's one of the best decisions that they made uh, as far as uh, supporting their overall mental health.
0: Oh, that's so great to hear. Yeah. And I think especially with like a therapist relationship, it's just like any relationship, you know, that first time of meeting someone, um, there's not going to be total openness, you know, and that's fine to acknowledge, but just really trying and making sure that you are there um, consistently and that you're following up and you're asking great questions, even to your therapist, just about advice. Um, So I think that's so incredibly important. And the other thing,
1: if I can just just add this, that's really important is that you know those sessions, I mean, if you're if you're seeking therapy, those sessions are about you. They're not about the therapist, right? And so just just again, like you said, knowing that you can ask questions, if the therapist is not addressing something that you came in there and you wanted to talk about, you know, saying, hold on, type out. This is why I came here. Um, therapists, mental health professionals were trained. We tried for many years to have weird, awkward, uncomfortable conversations with people. So chances are you're not going to offend your therapist if you need to steer things uh, back on the right path.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that you brought that up, being trained to deal with those situations. And hopefully that makes people feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, but this isn't like the first time that a therapist is going to be asked that question or presented with the situation, that um, they are they are there to help you. And they're there to um, teach and guide you along the way, just in terms of your mental health journey. Right. Um, and I would love to talk about specifically the media when it comes to our TV, our movies, our music, and the portrayal of men. I personally feel like um, there's all these macho men. And sure, there's there's a lot of people that are just inherently like that. And that's a personality. But I don't see a whole lot of diversity when it comes to our TVs and our movies. Um, So for you personally, what do you feel like needs to change in our media, um, and especially social media as well in order to be a little bit more supportive of men's mental health?
1: Again, I just I think it needs to be something that that's out there. I mean, and, and again, I mean, I'm encouraged that, you know, the tide is slowly starting to change. I mean, Maria, these these issues we've been dealing with for, for decades when it comes to the way that men are portrayed uh, in society, uh, in the media. Um, you know, I just recently did uh, an Instagram Live with uh, award-winning journalist, Lisa Ling, who is someone that, you know, I really admire uh, for the fact that uh, many reasons, but one of the reasons I admire her work is that um, she is she's shown, shown the softer side of men in her in her documentaries, right? I mean, she gets to the heart uh, and soul of that that human experience. And so, when it comes to movies, you know, when it comes to docu series, when it comes to articles, when it comes to interviews, um, you know, I think that you know the media definitely. Uh, has a role in making sure we are giving air and breath, you know, to the other side of men so that we're not just presenting them in a certain way. But then guys too, I think who appear on television shows and appear in the media, um, also could perhaps do a, a better job of, of being more vulnerable, <laughs> you know, and showing, um, that, you know, men, not unlike women, you know, cry, we have emotions, we feel things, right? We're not robots. Uh, and so I think that, you know, the more that we as guys do that, I think uh, the better off we'll all be.
0: Yeah. And I would love to also ask you the question of how do you become more vulnerable?
1: Mm. So, I mean, I think, yeah, that, that's a really good question. And I think it's something that takes time. So it's not... Just a matter of hey, you know, be more vulnerable, and then voila, you are right. And so I think it starts uh, with baby steps, right? Maybe, um, maybe having a conversation that you wouldn't normally have with someone, like talking to them about something that uh, maybe isn't too personal, but a little personal, right? Um, showing your your softer side, or talking about a time in your life that uh, you failed that you didn't get something that you wanted, right? Um, and then just seeing what the response would be. You know, I I found that, again, times that I've done this in my personal life that I've opened up to a friend about, hey, you know, there was there was this time that I, I really wanted to get this thing and, and I didn't get it and this is how I felt. Um, people didn't laugh at me. I mean, people did it. Say, oh, Greg, you know he's a he's a loser. He's not he's not cool anymore, right? Uh, I found that when I had those types of conversations, it, it brought me closer to the friend that I was sharing that information with, and the person nine times out of ten uh, reciprocated by then sharing a vulnerable experience back with me, right? So you know, and I and I think not to talk about this point too much, but I think it's really important, especially in this day and age where. Loneliness is an epidemic that we're dealing with. It's difficult for adults to make friends. Um, I think that being vulnerable around someone that you feel comfortable with is a really good way for a new relationship or a new friendship um, to be born.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it also takes, I mean, a lot of strength to be vulnerable as well, because, you know, I'm thinking about the times when I've been vulnerable and it's it's not like it's an easy thing to do. So I think that people think, especially men, think that vulnerability is oh yeah that's you know the easy way out or you know they're like that's not for me. You are being strong by being vulnerable. It is tough. It is so tough to be vulnerable.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'll tell you, I was on in January. I did um, went up to New York and I did a, a segment on uh, live with Kelly and and Ryan. And so talking to Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest. Um, you know, I've been on their show twice, but on live TV, I said, I am a psychiatrist and I'll say it to you. I'm a psychiatrist. At the time, I was getting my own therapy, <laughs> right? I was struggling with anxiety. Uh, I had a great therapist. And I'll tell you, after that, again, the way that that was received, you know, getting direct messages and texts from friends who didn't know that it was just an overwhelming Uh, display of support people are telling me hey i'm in therapy too what's your experience been like and then we can get a conversation going so um again i'm not telling everyone to you know be vulnerable on this you know big stage or this large scale but i mean if we just start practicing that little by little in our everyday lives i mean uh you can see how it can make big changes
0: yeah, absolutely. And I love that you touched on when you are be- when you're being vulnerable that it opens up more conversations for others to do the same. So almost that you're taking a role model stance with that, um, which I think is so incredibly important as well. So, mm-hmm.
1: right, yeah. right, yeah. I mean, and, and I think again, when it comes to something about talking like mental talking about mental health, uh, I think modeling the conversations because it's something that frankly just a lot of people don't know how to do. It's like okay, I want. I want, to, I want to talk about it, but I don't, I don't really know how to talk about it. seems weird to me, right? So I think the more that we can model what those conversations look like um, through podcasts like this, through Instagram Lives, through conversations in our everyday lives, uh, I think that we help others feel comfortable having those, those similar conversations.
0: Absolutely, for sure. And thank you so much for spending your time on this podcast and sharing your expertise. I'm so excited to get this out for just providing a lot of value to people. Um, can you please tell the audience where they can find you? And just anything you have going on in your life.
1: Right. So there's always a lot going on. Uh, I encourage again everyone to check out the book, The Self Healing Mind. You can uh, buy that book wherever books are sold on Amazon or in your independent bookstore. Uh, You can check out my website, GregoryScottBrown.com, or follow me on social media at GregorySBrownMD.
0: Perfect. Yes. And as always, we will have all that in the description below. Please go check him out and read his book. He's a phenomenal human being. And thank you again.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for listening. To learn more about how to make social media a more honest, empowering place to be, Follow us on Instagram at the Dear Mark Project and visit our website, dearmark.co. Stay tuned every week for a new episode. Thanks again for tuning in.